0: Thank you, right? Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Statue? Who'd want to do that? Sequels
1: suck. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now! And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi! Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please, by
0: definition alone, they're inferior films. Well, hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning back into Inside the Sequel, your home for sequel love and attention. This is the podcast where we talk about sequel movies that don't get enough uh, attention, I guess, and enough love, and we come on here and, and bring them to the light. Um, if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, my name is Chris, the host, as always, and uh, you're actually catching us near the end of our Godzilla Mania miniseries, which is... Just me having cool people on here to talk about old Godzilla movies that we recommend you watch before the new one comes out at the end of this month. It's March 30th, I believe. And uh, if you are wanting to catch up, you can go back to our earlier episodes where we talked about 55s Godzilla rates again. We talked about 1964s Godzilla versus Mothra, 1968s uh, Destroy All Monsters, and today's episode which is the 1974 Jun Fukuda-directed Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, which I'm very excited about uh, because we have a first-time guest who I'm very excited to have. Um, He is a co-host of the Dead Ringers podcast, which is a bi-weekly podcast horror show where they do double features. It's just just a great time. Um, And he's been a a pretty long Twitter friend of mine. Uh, I think I had a... um, I had a fascination with his profile because one, it was the thing as his profile picture, and the second thing was he he loves Dark Souls, so I was like, "Hey, this is my guy." Um, it is co-host Philip Yount. Philip, thank you for 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 coming on the uh, Inside the Secret Podcast, man. How are
1: you? Hello, my pleasure. I'm doing great. I'm super excited to have any opportunity to talk about Godzilla. So uh, when you asked me on, I was like, "Yes, and when? And how soon? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go."
0: Yes, dude. I I'm so happy. Um, well, I knew you were a Godzilla guy for a while. I remember like, <laughs> like just sending like Godzilla gifts to you in response, and you're like, ah, yes, this one. And I'm like, oh, this guy <laughs> knows the Godzilla stuff. Awesome. I'm <laughs> I'm happy now.
1: <laughs> oh man, a long time fan. So yeah, this this was very exciting, and uh, I'm I've been riding high on excitement for Godzilla versus Kong. God for like a year and a half, two years now. Whenever that movie was initially announced. Yeah, because it was supposed to come Jeez. out last
0: May. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, and it kept getting pushed, you know, and and just but knowing that Wingard is involved and uh, and I love uh, especially his his uh, aesthetic in his filmography and uh, just like you know seeing what people that come from like a horror background can do with something like Godzilla is very exciting. Uh, so yeah, I've been I've been ready for this movie for a long time, and uh, so getting ready for this has given me an opportunity on top of. The, uh, the movies that I've already been watching, kind of getting hyped for it to watch some older movies as well. So that's been great.
0: Yeah, and you know what's funny, I was listening to one of your episodes um, on the Dead Riggers podcast, and uh, you guys were talking about Adam Wingard, one of your early episodes, I I wanted to check out a few of those older ones, and I think, was it you, I believe, or, it might. who was it, I'm trying to think now, it was either you or was it Ben that was like, you know it's a Wingard film uh, when there's neon lights um, in the movie, (laughs) and I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, they got it on the nose, even back then too, (laughs) because that podcast was was like a year or two ago.
1: Totally. Yeah. I, I can't remember if I was, I don't think I was on that episode, but anytime that Wingard comes up, that's, that's kind of what we touch on is, uh, is neon. And, uh, so when I started seeing the trailers for this and, uh, and saw, you know, kind of the aesthetic, especially that scene of Godzilla and that like neon soaked city, I was like, yeah, give me that good neon Adam Wingard shit. Let's go.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <for> and <laughs> you know, what's funny. Uh, I was talking to my buddy, Seth, he has been on this before we were talking about Adam Wingard and, um, about like I, uh, I was telling him about your guys' episode. I was like, oh, they were talking about him, and uh, just getting me hyped for the movie and this episode to record. And uh, we were talking about his filmography, and I'm like, I still need to watch the guest. I know I'm, I suck because I still oh, watch the guest, man. but yeah. I have. But like my first film I watched with him was Your Next, and I remember that being like one of those genre films because I mm-hmm. was a sophomore when that movie came out and I saw it in theaters. And I wa- it was one of those few <clears throat> movies where I watched again in theaters um and i was like oh awesome. this movie's awesome <laughs> you
1: yeah know? your next is is incredible and oh you you've got to see the guest it is it's is such a fun time it is so good uh dan stevens is incredible it's it's just the best i love it
0: yeah and it's like he feels like really, I, like just based on the trailer for Godzilla vs Kong, he, fit, he I feel like he fits that that kind of style. It feels a little different, but kind of similar to uh, what the Legendary Pictures are trying to do. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it, it's nice to see that film next in his filmography after Death Note, so so people can hopefully not you know think only about <laughs> Death Note as his most recent
1: work. <laughs> right, and before that it was Blair Witch, right? Y-
0: yes, which, which I also saw in theaters too.
1: Yeah, which also a lot of people sort of dislike, uh, not not universally, but, you know, there's some apologetics out there, including myself. But, you know, his his last couple have not hit the same mark as the guest and your next did. So,
0: yeah. And you, you know what? I got to give him credit, though, for Death Note, because he put Lakeith Stanfield as L, and I think that role fit really well for him.
1: Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I actually need to go back and watch that a bit. I, I sort of started it and tapered off. It was one of those late night watches where I was falling asleep instead of giving it my full <laughs> attention. And I, I don't think I ever went back to it. So I'll, I'll have to go back and, and give it a fair shake.
0: I will say though, for a guy like him, he knows how to like get you hyped for his movies with trailers. Cause I can remember like all the trailers for these movies from You're Next all the way to um, Death Note and well, <clears throat> King Kong vs. Godzilla. I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to see that movie because the trailers were so well done.
1: Yeah. I mean, his his film photography and, and cinematography is so, I mean, it's so vivid and colorful. Like we're talking about his color palette and it just makes for really good trailers, um, you know, regardless of the quality of the movie sometimes. But <laughs> it's just like, God, this looks so good. And that's kind of what I keep going back to with Godzilla versus Kong is like they're hitting a, a color palette and a sense of scale and action with with the little bits of the fights that they keep teasing out that I'm like, I, I want I want this right now.
0: (laughs) And I think it works because, um, you know, the legendary pictures They're they're kind of like really dark and broody looking kind of movies, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've, uh, they've had that vibe. I think Gareth Edwards established that really strongly, of course, in, in, Mm -hmm. um, in his take on that. And then, um, Mike Doherty, another horror director, uh, you know, of course, a lot of his was in the dark too. And, and for better or for worse, sometimes I'd like to see like a fully, <laughs> a fully lit fight would be nice. <laughs> <You're> uh, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, you know, I, cause the, uh, the joke or, or perhaps the, the main reason a lot of people go to is that that darkness hides a lot of effects. Right. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's a couple shots where they're like standing on an aircraft carrier in broad daylight, punching each other in the face. So.
0: <laughs> right, it's like you wake up and just see these giant monsters just fighting each other on the ocean. And you're just like sipping coffee. That's how I feel like I'm going to be like just when I see it on the big screen. I'm just going to just take it in and be like, "Oh, this is exactly what the the doctor ordered." Exactly. Um, <laughs> but. Bathe I feel- in it. But Philip, tell me more. Um, how is it being on the Dead Ringers podcast? Um, it's a podcast. Uh, you know, at one time I tried copying the style where you guys um, all do like a double feature of horror movies. I tried doing that on my YouTube channel <laughs> once, and mm. uh, it didn't work out as well. But I always go back and listen to your guys' episodes.
1: I have I have loved it so much. So I've known Nolan uh, for for quite a while. For anyone that's not familiar, uh, the the host of the show, Nolan McBride, and uh, and Cat uh, who, uh, his, his now fiance, um, I've known them for years and I met them from Twitter. Uh, and so, you know, I, I was able to, um, get in touch with him over the years. And we, we kind of like, um, related on, on music and movies and video games, especially, but, um, through knowing him, he kind of like opened my eyes to, to a lot of horror movies that I wasn't really looking for. Like I wasn't necessarily like a huge, uh, horror fan, you know, or, or much of a, a movie fan like kind of in my you know younger days or whatever uh and uh, just into my adulthood I've, I've really kind of jumped in on that and being a part of that show has just really uh, made me turn a corner and just really appreciate and seek out things um especially a lot of horror um of course for the show that that kind of ends up happening but um it's just, it's awesome, and and you, you gain such a great appreciation for, for movies, and you start looking at, you know, the whole show is about double features, and that they share uh, certain things that you could call, like, a trope, uh, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, themes that, like, you know, some people may look at as being like, well, they're just ripping this thing off, or, oh, this is the same as what they did in that, it's, you know, whatever. But you start looking at those things as, like, as these, like, connecting threads to where people take... That similarity or that trope, but they have their own thing to say about it, or they use it kind of as an homage to that thing, and it's intentional. And uh, it's just, it's really cool. It's kind of opened my eyes to the way that I watch uh, movies.
0: Yeah. You, in the, yeah, when you, you, you're all your guys' chemistry is is great. Um, I love how. You all remind me of like uh, like kind of like my friends in high school when we'd like hang out in our basement and watch like movies or play video games and so we just kind of like talk while playing or watching those things. That's what it feels like when I listen <laughs> to it. Um, awesome. And you. Yeah, and you all have like this, uh, just this chemistry that just really works well. It's like somebody will say like, oh, I'm just like, you know, the the, the anime nerd. And then someone's like, okay, we cannot start this episode talking about anime because we'll be here all day. (laughs) And I'm like, ooh, but I kind of want to hear that
1: too. (laughs) Well, and then it ends up happening, right? Like sometimes we will go on a 30-minute tangent about just whatever. (laughs) But um. Man, I, I love those guys. It's uh, they're, they're such a great bunch and they're so smart and I, I love hearing their perspective on, on film. And, um, I don't come from the same critical background that a lot of them do like, uh, are you know, so there's like have brilliant analysis of things that I would never even really think about, you know, and, and, and like being able to talk to them and work through it on the show has kind of made it where I, I, I do now a little bit more. Um, and, uh, so <laughs> I, uh, Sometimes I feel like I'm just happy to be there, <laughs> but, but, uh, I, I love hearing their, their input and insight.
0: Oh, I mean, I just, I, it just feels like a round table of everyone just saying one thing and then agreeing and being so nice about it, you know? I feel like when you do like double features and stuff and when listening to it, you know, I could tell when one of you all like it a little bit more than the other, you know, but even mm-hmm. then there's still that, like that respect. It's like this party did do it for me, but, uh, I still enjoyed this parts of it. And that's what I like about podcast critiques, you know, and especially when you do things like double features, one might not live up to the one you watched before or vice versa, and uh, there's still something to take away and you all do like uh, more modern horror movies that i've missed out on you know like things like the guest you talked about like i've seen the babadook but like you know that's being talked about you know in one of your episodes and then you're doing like those throwbacks with like those fulci um uh, i was listening to the house by the cemetery one just because like i was like oh i wonder what the what input they have for the character of bob and uh it didn't disappoint <laughs>
1: So where are we gonna live? I wish. Can you get me some candy? Hello. My name is Bob. My daddy's here to do some research. I did my best, only mommy wouldn't listen to me. Parents never listen. They always do what they want. Mommy, mommy, I saw the girl from the hotel. Why did you get out of the car? Oh, Bob. God love him because no one else will. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And I'm convinced the dad in that movie is like, he's like a discount Donald Sutherland. I'm, I'm like, I'm convinced every time I watch it. I'm like, that's a (laughs) like, like come and or what? Yeah, come and see. Or no, that's another movie. Sorry, um, don't look now with uh, Donald Mm, Sutherland. mm, I'm like, I feel like him in that is basically the knockoff version in House by the Cemetery.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it's it is, um, it has been it has been really exciting and awesome to. To, to also, like, speaking of House by the Cemetery, like, I, I that was the first episode I was on, you know, and we were talking about that along with We Are Still Here, which um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be on because I wanted to talk about that movie, like, anyway, because I, I love Ted Gagan and I love We Are Still Here. Um, and so, like, I would have never watched House by the Cemetery, to be honest. Like, at that time, I wasn't really looking at Italian horror, um, and I was still very much, you know, what they were calling, like, the the horror newbie or whatever. Um, And it was so wild to watch this movie and be like, this is one of the most batshit things I've ever seen. And it rocks. (laughs) It's so (laughs) fun. Uh, Yeah. And so every episode we do, whether it's a movie that I've, that I've like loved for a long time or have never seen, uh, there's this level of appreciation that comes from kind of watching it uh, to that level of sort of analyzing things to see, you know, those, those similarities it shares with something else. Uh, and uh, I've come away from every single one, even movies I don't typically like even like that much, to be honest, uh, with this newfound appreciation for them.
0: Yeah, it, uh, I, 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 I definitely agree with you there, uh, Philip. And I, and I just love how the podcast tackles, especially it's harder for someone like me. Who, like, is so, um, like, if we're talking about sequel movies, a lot of times I'm watching a lot of older movies, you know, and, you know, I'll be on Daniel's cobwebs, so we're watching older movies, and a lot of times I forget to watch newer released movies or catch up from this past decade's released movies. I'm very late to the party with a lot of them, but mm. to the, the, your podcast and you all there really kind of helped me fill those gaps and like, bringing some of them, like, to my attention, and also just any podcast that kind of recommends and talks about Hellfest is always going to be um, something I pay close <laughs> <Yeah>. attention to because <laughs> I saw yeah. you all did that in October with your like streaming recommendations, which uh, I need to do better about like saying where you can find some of these movies. But when you when I listened to that one last uh, October – um, I was just like, "Oh, Hellfest is being talked about. I like that."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every every single episode as we're recording, I have my phone sitting by me, and I have a a notes app page that's movies to watch. And so, almost without fail, half of the movies that someone mentions, I'm writing down. Like, oh, I need to see that. I haven't seen that <laughs> yet. That's on my list. I need to go back and see it because it's just it's such a vast genre and it has been a vast genre since like the 1920s right mm-hmm. uh, and so there is just so much to see and it's always exciting um, sometimes to the point of option paralysis where you're just like fuck like I can't decide what am I going to watch <laughs> and uh, so yeah like it's it's nice to have um, a group of people that are passionate and seeking it out and offering like you know something that you probably either would have missed or would have never gone back to look at and being like this is super good You'll love it. You should watch it, you know, and that, that is something else that I've just really enjoyed about being a part of that group.
0: Yeah, for sure, dude. And yeah, I've just, yeah. So you got a fan right here. So I really appreciate what you all are doing. And uh, I always look forward to when you post another episode. Um,
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, I'm curious too, did you... I guess this is more like Twitter conversation than a podcast question, but I was curious. Like, did you end up getting a PS Five, my man, and getting uh, Demon Souls because Damn I know it. you're such a Soulsborne <laughs> fanatic? And I was like, I have to talk to Philip about this. I don't know if anybody else appreciates this kind of thing like I do too. And oh yeah. When yeah. I see your figurine uh, paint, paintings, I'm like, oh my god! I wish I had that kind of hobby. It's so. Oh cool. man
1: thank you thank you and so for, no i have not gotten a ps5 yet because i'm i'm uh, i'm broke <laughs> but, but no uh they're you know and i think they're still really hard to find um but oh, man that that demon souls remaster looks so good right like they yeah. they put a lot of work into it and and uh there there's some like in uh, grumbling in the community of, around the game taking like oh they changed too much of the aesthetic it looks different now and i'm like oh, whatever like they <laughs> They they had the ability and they had the uh, technological wherewithal to like give some of these buildings that were just like blocks, you know, like actual <laughs> spires and windows and shit. It looks amazing. It's cool, um, it but no, I haven't had a chance to get it yet. Um, but that is when I get the PS five, I'm going to be getting Demon Souls right along with it. Gay Deed.
0: I, I i got my i got my stimmy and i was like oh now i can get a ps5 but then i'm like when it came down to it i was like ooh i kind of don't want to just waste this money given to me on just a ps5 mm-hmm. yeah and like scoring uh like scourging like all through ebay and like facebook marketplace thinking ooh do i pay an extra hundred dollars or two and i'm like oh no
1: <laughs> Oof. no yeah that's that's the rough thing i think that once we can get past all of gestures at everything <laughs> Yeah, over the, over the pandemic and over all of the uh, supply chain issues that have come about because of it. I think that they'll be easier to find. Uh, but, but yeah, like the scalping market around those things and online orders has been horrendous from everyone I've talked to that has tried to get one.
0: Yeah. So, and, and you know, what's yeah. kind of funny. Um, it's just like what I love about your aesthetic, at least on your Twitter page is that, um, is that you? You, you kind of co- all these things that you enjoy, which are things I also enjoy, is all has like a like some sort of characteristic that's similar. So like we we love the souls born stuff, um, and I know you're also like a big HP Lovecraft um, guy, and um, yep. you also love Godzilla. And a lot of those things all have in common are these like, these giant monsters and creatures. And and and, I, and I, I'm I'm wondering if you're like me, if like you just like the lore of these giant, fascinating things.
1: I absolutely do. And, and you know, the lore craft of the souls games is a big part of what drew me into it beyond just incredible creature design. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just these amazing monsters that have like, they feel like they have history about them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's something regal and awe inspiring about this massive dragon or this like, you know, undead knight uh, that, it, <laughs> that, that you're having to square up against and, and they're memorable. Uh, and, uh, in, in Lovecraft fiction or more specifically cosmic horror, um, so much of that is, you know, like stereotypically it's massive tentacle monsters, but Cthulhu <laughs> may as well be a kaiju, right? Like he's just right. a huge, huge elder thing the same way that Godzilla is a huge elder thing. Um, and so, yeah, like I've just, I've just always been, been drawn to it. And, uh, in the same thing, a lot of the Cthulhu mythos stuff, uh, is, is so captivating and just the, uh. Kind of the kind of the strange connections that these things have, or some of the stories that establish a history of like why they are not just like what they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of that, um, a lot of that, I could literally tie back into my fascination with Godzilla when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, and I, exactly, no, you you just said it perfectly. Like big monsters growing up as a kid. Was like my thing, you know, and mm-hmm. you think like, oh, man, even like Lord of the Rings, like, you know, you see like the ringwraiths, you know, riding those dragon serpent yes. things. And and then you think watching like Godzilla as a kid and seeing how grand scale it is. And and like a big thing for me, too, is concept art. I don't talk about it too often, but in my free time, I love um, and this came this stems probably from Shadow of the Colossus when I first played it um, as a kid is uh, just the concept art of giant creatures is so fascinating. And you can kind of, you know, read through what the artist's interpretation of what they wanted these beings to be and how they would, you know, react to things. And and, and that kind of brought, like, when you think of, like like, storyboarding with films, you know, you can see, like... Um, And that's why I love, like, those um, early, like, Star Wars DVDs where they had, like, an extra disc for bonus features because I would, like, watch the featurettes where they're going through the um, concept artwork of, like, aliens that they wanted for the movie and how things would look. And I'm like, oh, that is so cool. And then you see that in video games and you get art books when you pre-order some games now. Um, I just spend, uh, like, an hour or two just kind of looking through that, and it's just so fascinating.
1: Totally. Just seeing seeing the the amount of art that goes into an endeavor like a film or a video game, um, especially where, you know, they're creating environments and creature concepts and, and costuming and all these things. Like, it's just, it's incredible and it builds out a world and makes it feel real. But I'm, uh, I'm sitting here right now looking at a uh, Bloodborne official artworks book oh, uh, no. sitting, you know, within arm's reach that I just kind of grab when I need inspiration for something mm-hmm. um, because, Man, just again, just going back to From Software, they they design creatures like very few others do, uh, and and that game specifically, Bloodborne, is just really, as a fan of giant monsters, uh, eldritch horror, and you know like mm-hmm. science fiction and creatures and all and Dark Souls things, that game is kind of like everything I love compressed into like this orb of perfection. I just I love it so much. Um.
0: No, I'm I'm with you there, man. I mean, I'm thinking about getting into magic just for the sake of knowing that there are uh, Godzilla Kaiju magic cards. Yes, and I and I like to like look at them because I think only one of my friends has like the only Godzilla one. But I wanted to see how many more <laughs> there were because I'm just a weirdo like that. And I've been telling my buddy Seth, I'm like. How come? How come we you bring out magic? Why don't we play with the Godzilla cards? He's like, have you seen <laughs> the prices on those? And I'm like, no, it's just a card.
1: It's like I left yeah. card
0: games behind with Yu Gi Oh and Pokemon.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just want the artwork, man. That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah, no, I had um, <laughs> I had the, a, a Shin Godzilla artwork as my phone background forever after those that set came uh-huh. out, and uh, Bayalante and and Mecha Godzilla. I was just like, these are incredible.
0: Yes. And, and talk a, about, talk about like in crazy cool concept designs, by maybe the most fascinating kaiju of like the whole Godzilla films.
1: Oh, easily one of the most fascinating kaiju I've ever seen. Like this mm-hmm. giant plant, it's, it's amazing. And again, talking about the lore, like we'll get into it because <laughs> that is a, that is a sequel I was going to, uh, to recommend when we, when we start discussing that aspect of things. But, but man, just, just, yeah, like the, uh, the origins of that creature on top of the design of it and the evolutions it goes through. It's, it's just it's so good. So good.
0: Yeah. And it kind of has a sparkle of like what you said earlier, that cosmic horror as well too, like with me, totally. with the yeah. daughter and, and just like, you know, it just feels kind of otherworldly.
1: Right. And there's like a tragedy and an empathy you feel for it beyond it. Just being this big malevolent thing, like, you know, like what its origin is and that's that's something that's you know you you feel for the for the scientist and 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 you feel for the creature itself it's it's really incredible
0: yeah and they did that all the way in 1989 which is crazy to think how early and they never kind of did anything like that again um But yeah, we could, we should do a Biollante episode now that I'm thinking about it. The only thing is it's such a hard as hell movie to get a hold of physically and it's not streaming unless you, I think it's on an archive website that you can stream for free, but I don't know how legitimate it is.
1: So archive.org is, is all, um, creative (laughs) comments. I, I believe, uh, that I think Toho, if I'm not mistaken, and I could, I could back this up, uh, (laughs) if, if you want to like put it into like a source note or something for the show, but, um, it's all Creative Commons, and I think that it was actually put there by Toho, and I think that everything that's there is is legitimate. Like I th- I'm, I'm almost positive that that's the case. That it's not piracy because it is all Creative Commons.
0: Well, damn, that is awesome news because that's also how I watched. Godzilla 85 the American version because I mm-hmm. I don't care about the americanized version that comes out like a year after the the original japanese cuts because mm-hmm. I just don't care to see Raymond Burr <laughs> really really that <laughs> I, much I, understand. Um, I just yeah <laughs> but he's just um he's just kind of a character that's there at least in 55's king of the monsters and but then I heard in 1985 he, they bring him back and he does a really solid narrative at the end and yep. uh, I I I wanted to listen to it so I found it on that same website. And uh, I did cry a little bit because it was pretty beautiful and tragic.
1: (laughs) The ending of that movie is, is, is really something. Um, yep, totally.
0: Yeah. So Phil, Philip, this is your first time on inside the sequel. And, uh, I like every guest who's new to this one. Uh, I, I need to know what are some sequel movies that like you're a stand for? Like, these are like, you know, these are yours, like your babies, like give me some sequels like that. For, yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. I, uh, so I was, uh, I was <laughs> racking my brain a little bit because I didn't want to <laughs> do, I didn't want to do the, the easy go-tos, which are of course, aliens, yes. Terminator judgment day. Like those are the ones that everybody loves already. So, mm. you know, everyone's Good like, man. okay, sure. Next. <laughs> 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 so I was thinking of, uh, creep two was one that came to mind from 2017. Have you, have you seen that?
0: I have not. Creep have you seen 2. the first creep? I'm not even aware of Creep. What is this? Okay,
1: so Creep is a movie by Patrick Kack Bryce uh, that was written by him and also Mark Duplass, who is the yeah. uh, who's the lead in the movie, and he plays a uh, a serial killer who lures a kind of fledgling filmographer to his home, and then proceeds to basically like not legitimately torture, but like psychologically torture for like an entire day (laughs) where he, he gives off this energy of like, I'm a lonely, really awkward guy, but I'm also a psycho. And so he's, he's fascinating and funny and charismatic and charming. And like, his character is just like, I, I don't want to hang out with you because you're scary, but I also like want to, I want to see where this is going. And it's, it's such a great movie. The first creep, I think it's on Netflix still, uh, but that's where I first saw it. And um, and so creep two is the same guy, um, and he is kind of down in the dumps about his as, as funny as this sounds about mm-hmm. his serial killing career, where it's just he's getting bored with it and disenfranchised with his life, and uh, he's considering just kind of just being done uh, with with everything and uh, kind of ending it all and so he he finds a, a woman named Sarah who is uh, kind of a another like fledgling filmographer she has a, a documentary web series where she will meet kind of eccentric people on Craigslist and spend a day with them and uh, it's this sort of, Uh, voyeuristic, um, not really exploitative because she kind of like tries to relate to these people, but they're very strange and, and sometimes to the point of being kind of dangerous. And so he reaches out to her and, um, she's kind of meant to be his next victim, right? Uh, unless she films him for a whole day. And so he's constantly trying to terrify and intimidate her, but because of her experiences, she's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you jumping at me? Or why are you wearing this stupid mask and stuff? And so their dynamic becomes this funny, like, he's trying so hard to freak her out and it's not working. And they almost develop, like, a friendship, but it's this, like, oddly friendly, hostile charisma. And it's, it's again, it's just, like, it's a really captivating sequel to a very captivating movie.
0: Oh, my God. This movie sounds awesome awesome and it's, I'm also it's and it's so a
1: Bloomhouse production too
0: mm-hmm. so one shut that out and two when you said Mark Duplass I was like
1: oh I really want to see that then <laughs> yeah no I, and I believe that both I believe both are on Netflix or at least that's where I first saw them uh, and yeah I love I love Creep and Creep too so
0: oh man this mask that he's uh, Mark Duplass is wearing is is crazy <laughs> oh man
1: the, the wolf mask it's yeah, yeah it's scary as hell <laughs>
0: You know, it Mark is Duplass tricky. is one of those, uh, I've only seen a couple of his works, and I've enjoyed them a lot, um, him and Jay. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my buddy Seth is such a huge fan of the Duplass brothers, and he's always telling me about their their works, and they wrote a book that he's read, and he's absolutely loved. And uh, But I've never heard of Creep, but yeah, they are both on Netflix, like you said, and uh, they're... Excellent. They're they're good Duplass plus runtimes about an hour twenty you know that good yeah. sweet spot I like that yeah they
1: they are they are a perfect um, group of movies to either double feature because of their length or just kind of pop on one night you know get you a mm-hmm. drink and, and just enjoy the ride it's they're wild mm-hmm.
0: so this this looks awesome solid picks Phil
1: thank you thank you yeah and then I have another one who uh, that you could probably call a guilty pleasure but fuck the idea of guilty pleasures if you like something just like it right. um <laughs> so i know you're all about that too chris yeah <laughs> i'm just, like
0: i'm like i'm like I'm like smiling i'm like oh no you're totally right yeah. there <laughs> love what you love
1: that's that's yeah. you know and who cares but um, my wife and i love um pitch perfect <laughs> and pitch perfect too is the sequel that i would also call out it's um are you are you familiar with those at all? Have you seen I, either I, one of those?
0: I am very familiar with them. I've never actually okay. watched the movies, but I my sister um who's 18 now, she she like watched these first two movies like on repeat constantly and when that cup <laughs> challenge was such a bingey thing. Oh god. Like, she was yeah, <laughs> yeah, she was like all about explaining it and telling me about it. And uh, I was just like, "What even is like, you know, the Pitch Perfect movies?" And she would explain them to me, and she, we talk. She talked about it all the time. I almost felt like I did watch these movies. except no. the third one.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, the third one is was was not was not. Good. It feels like three movies tried to be smushed into one, and it's just none of it is very successful at all. Um, outside of just kind of like hanging out with the characters that you like, if you know, if you're that invested in Pitch Perfect, but. Uh, <laughs> The first Pitch Perfect, you know, I think a lot of people would agree is, is, is really good and really fun. And, and, uh, my wife actually not necessarily introduced me to that movie, but she was like, it's really good. You want to watch it with me? And I was like a movie about acapella, like can not really, but okay, I will. (laughs) And ended up liking it a lot. And Pitch Perfect two is more or less like, like I said, kind of like hanging out with characters you already like, um, it's not like a hugely plot intensive movie. It's, it's a lot of it is kind of built around just like watching these talented singers perform together and hang out and travel the world and go to like a, uh, you know, like a a world acapella championship, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's, it has a great cast. There's a lot of good cameos. It's uh, it's really funny. Uh, I don't know. I just like it. It became one of those movies where like, if it's a rainy day and we have nothing to do and we're just stuck in the house or like, me and my wife have both had a rough week with work and stuff, and it's like, man, just just put on something we know we're gonna like, and is really comfort comfort food, you know, and we can just mm-hmm. turn off, and, and that is exactly our relationship with those movies. We just they they go on in our house like once a month at least, sometimes more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so awesome, and you know what the yeah. thing is, I've never actually heard bad things about the Pitch Perfect movies. Um, I do know that El- Elizabeth Banks does direct those, which I thought was yes. cool. Um, it was the part second of the one re-
1: specifically, yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. So yeah. she, she, so she did the second one. Yeah, she's um, in
1: all three, uh, and she's she's very funny. It's they're like a uh, they're like a panel of quote unquote acapella experts <laughs> who are oh. like giving like like you would have a commentary table at like a basketball game. They're offering that for acapella, and uh, it's this like kind of antagonistic relationship with the uh, with the main characters, but it's it's really funny.
0: Oh, you see, Pitch Perfect to me, it kind of reminds me of like the modern update for like the Bring It On series, you know, or like Mm -hmm. the Step Up series and from the 2000s, which I actually enjoyed those a lot, too. So maybe I need to like do a binge down the Pitch Perfect uh, trilogy.
1: I think that you would really enjoy the first two. (laughs) (laughs) The third one, not, not so much like it's I don't know. Like I said, it's just it's too many ideas that don't really work well together but then there's even more ideas on top of that that also don't work well together. Like it feels kind of duct taped together in a weird way. Uh,
0: but Hey, I mean, uh, at least you have uh, Anna Kendrick in it though. So
1: it's true. That's true. She's always, she's always charming and funny. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. Well, dude, shout, shout, shout you out for, uh, for pitch perfect too. It's, I love hearing like <laughs> these, the sequels that we, yeah, well, again, we don't talk too much about on here and uh, they're, they're, they're like uniquely yours. I love when, when I have guests on here who like talk about a sequel movie and they're like, I own this one. This one's kind of like my movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so, so yeah, so I've got one horror, one comedy, and I felt like I would be doing a disservice if I did not bring some Godzilla recommendations as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know that's what you have been talking about for the last several episodes, but yeah, I gotta, I gotta drop my favorites on here. Um, yes, sir. Like we just talked about Godzilla versus Biollante, one of the most incredible kaiju designs in film history. It's just, it's just amazing. The evolutions it goes through the scale of it. Um, the story of the movie itself, like the human drama is fantastic. Uh, great, great movie, great movie. So, and then also Godzilla versus Hedora, which from the sixties and, um, it's just insanely fun. Just another, another really cool creature design one, but to like an absolute acid trip of a movie.
0: Out of the polluted waters it came To become the most fearful menace that ever threatened mankind Feeding, growing ever more deadly on smog Only one force dared stand up to its overpowering
1: evil Godzilla! Godzilla versus the smog monster
0: Will Godzilla, man's friend, be vanquished?
1: More than 1,600 dead have been reported, while other casualties are expected to
0: exceed 30,000. Nothing man can do can stop the smog monster. Can Godzilla save the Earth from this mastodon of destruction? (laughs) It really is. And you know what's funny? Uh, That uh, Mike Scott, who was on for uh, the last episode, him and I were talking about Hedorah, and it would have been interesting to see... um, what Godzilla could have done, like against Hedora in like an updated version, in like the Hisei series, you know? Because even oh, at the Showa, you know, the 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 com the the goofy, charming look of the Showa era, the Hedora kaiju is still kind of like that anomaly where it's like its own kind of weird thing. I mean, Jun Fukuda and Honda didn't direct this movie. It, it was uh, Moriyoshi Bono, I believe, who mm-hmm. uh, I think it was his only movie. In the Godzilla franchise, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure, at least in the show, that's his only movie, and it was probably the most outspoken since probably 54.
1: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that, um, especially, you know, like, there's an entire musical number about saving the ocean, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. on the nose, I just, <laughs> I love it, but... um God, like, yeah, just the music and the aesthetic of that and the weird little animated interstitials that are almost cartoonish, but, you know, of, like, Hidora like, slurping an oil tanker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then also crossed with Hedorah being, like, lethal and incredibly deadly. Like, many, many people in that movie die from it just, like, flying overhead and and gassing them with poisonous fumes. It's, uh, it's intense, uh, and, and um... It, you know, it comes in that era where a lot of the Godzilla movies were kind of like, I mean, silly is a word that comes mm-hmm. to mind because, you know, Godzilla is much more like the friendly hero, but then you have this just like awful blob with these horrific, you know, eyes. It looks like a freaking Shoggoth from <laughs> the mountains <laughs> of madness or something. And, um, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's such a cool, uh, such a cool creature design. And, and I love that one. Um, and I'll tell you too, uh, if I would, I would love to see either a sequel to Shin Godzilla featuring Hidora. I would love to see like that take on creature design, like brought to Hidora. That would be horrifying. Mm-hmm. Or just like a legendary Hidora would be super cool, I think.
0: Oh, um, I, I think either of those is amazing. Mike Scott said the same thing. You guys are. You're even from the same apple of uh, of good and evil there. You guys know like what needs to happen. Because I agree. It, it it needs an update. Because it is yeah. such an important kaiju monster that never really got its proper... Um, I mean, the movie didn't do super well. It, if anything, it was more of a promotional video that was used by Toho um, to further pollution. But mm-hmm. even though it does kind of uh, bring everything so into your face, I think it doesn't do it in a disrespectful way i mean if anything it's it's an essential watch <laughs> for how to you know take care of things and i think it really kind of kickstarted the whole um cleaning the air for for japan in a way in the 60s and i still can't get over how terrifying Hedorah, like you said it is a terrifying kaiju design just like yeah. the red beaming lights that go between the the mush and the and the garbage that's just covering it, it, it it's still really terrifying to see and it's also one of the few kaiju movies where you consistently are seeing Hedorah throughout the movie, whether it's in its little spaceship form or what it's just kind of like standing upright.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Like there's just so many aspects of it uh, are are so strong. Um, and and yeah, like it's so it's so kinetic and wild, just like throughout the whole movie. It, it has this vibe that is very energetic. Uh, it's a really fun watch.
0: Yeah, and it has like that 70s show kind of like, you know how in between scenes of that 70s show where it's like acid trippy and everyone's jumping? They kind of have that in this movie too, which I kind of enjoy.
1: Yeah, like there's a literal like more or less acid trip scene where, you know, the woman is is on stage singing about Save the Ocean at like a club. And a guy (laughs) is seeing people with like fish heads. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's like puts his drink away. He's like, I've had too much.
0: yeah (laughs) and it's just it's it's kind of scary what happens to them in that nightclub because Hidora shows up i mean just right yeah it it just really it is a really dark movie i think it's underplayed for how dark it actually is and the ending is such a weird ending for a godzilla movie because i technically godzilla wins but it doesn't feel like godzilla really won
1: (laughs) right right yeah it's uh it's something else i i that's one that i actually for the first time saw um only a couple years ago and uh, just was blown away by it. I was kicking myself for waiting as long as I was.
0: Yeah. I I was really curious to see if Bob Bono was going to make another um, Godzilla movie after that, but he really never got it. I don't think he got an opportunity after that. I do know that he is well-respected for it. Um, I think in that criteria, yeah. in the criterion, uh Godzilla box set, um, or book set, I guess whatever you want to call it. Um, there is an <laughs> interview with him um and Ishiro Honda, and they're just interviewing each other and talking. And I'm like, of all the directors oh, that wow. did the show at Godzilla Movies, it was Bono that they chose to to talk to Honda. And it was it was just really interesting to see.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. hmm
0: So so you talked about Hidora being one of your favorites and, and, and we're talking you talked about Biolante, which is great. All right, so nineteen seventy four though if anything, you I, I think it's one of the more important ones to watch, and, and Phil, you're the guy I wanted to talk about with this, is in the trailer for Kong vs. Godzilla, there's rumors that Mecha Godzilla might be showing up. And when I saw like a little Reddit thread about it, you know, it's because mm-hmm. I'm nerdy that way too. Um, I was like, well, for the mini-series, we have to talk about Mecha Godzilla. Not only is Mecha Godzilla debatably one of the most iconic villains for Godzilla, but it's so embedded in pop culture that it has to be recommended to watch. Even if it's not gonna be in the new movie or not.
1: A bionic monster, a menacing giant, an awesome machine, unleashed with a deadly task. Godzilla. The only hope for Earth's survival: Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster. Godzilla strives to win supremacy in a fight to the end. Will Godzilla triumph? The Earth survive? Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster: An earth-shaking movie rated G. Oh yeah, and and I am I'm one of those that very strongly believes. I mean, I guess it's spoilers because, to be honest, if you if you like me believe it's going to be in the movie, they've literally shown it in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you have to, you have to be a fucking nerd like I am and scrub the, <laughs> the trailer for like little hints and clues. <laughs> Cause I was, there's a, there's a shot of some people running downstairs as like a yep. massive cloud of debris piles up over their head. And you can very clearly see like what looks like a lower jaw, like with like neon red lights running down it. And I was like, Oh shit, it's Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, and got very excited. Uh, and I think I also like along the lines of that Reddit thread, I was posting screenshots like right there. That's a jaw. (laughs) That's, that's it. Um, so yeah, like this is a, this is a huge, uh, callback and a huge kind of step forward in, in kind of building up these, these old favorite Kaiju from Godzilla's history and bringing them into current time. Like, you know, Rodan Mothra and Ghidorah was a huge, uh, Pull from for the last uh, movie and so this feels like a good progression forward
0: yeah and and I think 74 is like a, a must watch for the new one because not only like Michael, Michael Godzilla I think as well might be in it Um, But 74, for me, when it was first released, it it, it did horrible. It it was like a commercial failure because at that time, before that, you had Godzilla vs. Megalon, which Mm -hmm. I absolutely love. But it didn't do very successful. But they thought maybe making something a little bit more of a serious-toned movie, um, that that might be the the way to get numbers back up. And unfortunately, it didn't do that um, for Toho. Uh, in 1974, Jun Fukuda was tasked, again, to make this movie. And um, like I said in the last episode, I really love Jun Fakuda. I think he's my favorite ba- barely over Honda with these uh, Godzilla movies. Um, he Just the way he does the Godzilla stuff just works really well, whether it's, it's fun and charming or it's exotic and different versus the more sto- narrative-driven um, Honda movies. Uh, but he he's tasked with making more of a serious movie, and it, he feels a little out of element. But I still think there's enough in this movie to enjoy.
1: I could not agree more. Uh, Jun Fukuda was my intro into Godzilla. Like as a kid, I think the first movie that I that I really loved was Godzilla versus Megalon. And, and I mean like as like a five and six year old, but I would, man, I watched the the hell out of that movie. Uh, (laughs) I loved Gigan, um, especially, um, but, uh, but yeah, like this one, um, it's, it's interesting that he was tasked to be a little, uh, more serious and, and darker in tone because directly after this, you have terror of Mechagodzilla, which is directed by Honda and, you can really see the disparity and difference in directing style. Mm-hmm. There, not not necessarily for good or for worse, but Honda is much more comfortable directing something that feels serious and dark. Yeah. Whereas there is so much, uh, there's like a f- uh, like frivolity. There's like a like an upbeat kind of jazzy vibe to this mm-hmm. to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. A lot of that comes from the uh, the score. Masaru Sato's score is is really like kind of big band jazzy and and playful (laughs) um and this movie is just so much just like glorious camp with the simian aliens and and all the intrigue with the interpol agents and them world hopping and going on cruises (laughs) for some reason Yeah, it's not a Fukuda
0: film if it's not like fun in the sun and some on some sort of beach or tropical island, you know? (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, it's it's um from the from the get like literally from the 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 uh, title sequence with those colorful bars crossed with those really really nice photos. I was like, this is just pleasant. Like I could listen to this, like doing chores around the house. I love this song. <laughs> yeah,
0: right, and you know what's crazy? Um, so they wanted a, a, a character to be very iconic and kind of like uh, a stronger than Godzilla, because you know a lot of these movies, Godzilla will need some help or he'll come out on top. But I know Toho, when wanting to make this movie, they wanted cap- to capture the audience, so they said make something that's going to. Confuse the audience with surprise while also... Making them question whether Godzilla is gonna win this battle or not, and I think the the one of the best scenes in this whole movie is with the introduction to Mecha Godzilla. Because at first I was confused myself, because you see Anguirus there, and I, I love Anguirus when he's crawling around and talking. Uh, but then when <laughs> I see him get the his, his, his get his ass beat, I'm just like, wait, what's going on right now?
1: Yeah, man, poor Anguirus. He cannot catch a break. He just gets mm. his ass beat all the time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, and uh, that. <laughs> Yeah, that brings me to something else I, I was thinking about with that is there's like a surprising amount of like blood and gore in this movie. Like that really caught me off guard. Like when he when he pries his jaw and it just starts like pouring out of the sides, you know, like he's yep. like tearing it loose. Like, mm-hmm. holy crap. Take it easy there, guy. <laughs> like, this yeah, is real, seriously. I was fearing yeah. for
0: Aguirre. So I was like, is this where he dies? Because I can't live with that right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, not again. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah. And, uh, you know, and there's, there's like several instances of like arterial spray in people and also in Godzilla. And it's just like, this is uh maybe that was part of the, uh, the, uh, the, um, directive to be a little darker, a little more serious. Was that.
0: Yeah, it. And here, here's the thing, though, too, like they make they of course, <laughs> it's a Showa era Godzilla movie. Of course, um, aliens have to be the driving force of the antagonist in a way. <laughs> and uh, but I, I will say, though, despite me always kind of going, oh, it's aliens, you know, for the bad guys in these movies. This is the one where I actually enjoy the aliens being the bad guys. It fits the narrative, the aliens do feel genuinely um, like a threat. And um, it, it has a returning uh, actor from Godzilla fr- from Godzilla raids again I believe it's uh oh boy I'm blanking on his name I think it's like koisi Kwasmi kuzma I believe I could be butchering that um, <laughs> yeah, I, oh wait, H- 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 Hiroshi Koizumi excuse me um, okay. who was in raids again he was one of the pilots so he's back from his 50s and 60s days and he's back to do to be the leader of these alien monsters or creatures excuse me
1: yeah oh, and he, he is such a great uh, like evil leader sort. Like he's so hateable. <laughs> he's yeah. So, you know, he's so smug. He's like always smoking a cigar and, and, <laughs> and like, you know, swirling a little glass of brandy or whatever green alien liquor they're drinking. Um, yeah. You're just like begging for him to lose the entire time. It's really, really good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if you, Philip, if you've seen, um, but uh, Godzilla, or, sorry, King Kong escapes from 1967, um, which was a Toho God's uh, King Kong movie, which introduced Mechie Kong. Um, <laughs> I've <laughs> yeah, seen pictures
1: a, of Mechie Kong, but I've never actually seen that movie. No. <laughs> the,
0: so the movie actually has um, uh, Akira Takarada in it, which was uh, I was pretty happy to see. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's okay. It's, it's like a King Kong light remake in a way with a Toho style that only Toho can do. And um, it has of course uh, some some aliens of sorts and uh, yeah, they, they were really trying to make King Kong, you know, be a part of this Godzilla Toho you know showa series. It works to some extent. but this Mecha Godzilla in 74 was the first time that audiences got to see a Mecha creature since that movie. Be- I, I guess because you know, in the 70s with sci-fi and um, cyborgs and, and you know you got Jack Jaguar the year before, Toho believe like, you know, having a mecha copycat was like the thing of the future for, for Godzilla. Like they thought like, this is like the thing that's going to get people going. <laughs> oh yeah. Which I think it's so crazy. Such a smaller movie influenced, you know, something that would be in pop culture. I mean, even today, you know?
1: Yeah. It's wild. I mean, Mecha Godzilla became one of the, uh, like apex foes for Godzilla, like going forward beyond this. Um, and it's it's such a cool design, like that sleek metallic body. It has mm-hmm. like kind of like a steampunk vibe a little bit, but it's just yeah. this, you know, it's just this walking arsenal, it's just like a million weapons. And there's so many instances in this movie where they're trying to attack it, but they just keep getting pushed back by you know just <laughs> like this torrent of lasers and missiles. Um, it's rad, and you know, and they took that mecha concept further, and they they brought in other creatures like you know Gigan was technically before this but it is kind of a weird like cyborg type thing as well. Um, Mecha King Ghidorah later on Um, Mm -hmm. there's another it's either like a human-controlled robotic platform isn't it called like Magura or something like that am I misremembering?
0: Yeah yeah no you are right.
1: Okay yeah and it's 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 almost like a uh, (laughs) like a off off off-brand Mecha (laughs) Godzilla a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like they, they really leaned into that and, um, you know, outside of, uh, outside of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, it is very cool to see it being so prevalent that they're bringing it into modern legendary series of Godzilla movies as well.
0: Yeah. I, you know, it's funny, this movie borrows a lot from pop culture uh films before and during its time and then it kind of influences pop culture after because uh, like the the, the aliens of this movie are like apes you know so right. it's like oh 74 so planet of the apes is what they're trying to draw comparisons to and then they bring in some old you know early show with angaris showing up and then of course the throwback to the aliens um but then It has sort of, which is weird. It has kind of like an Indiana Jones of type opening before Indiana Jones even came out.
1: Yeah, it really does. Right. Like they're, they're, they're excavating or they're going through a cave and finding this, uh, this, this space titanium. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) but then, you know, but then later, like going around the the dig site being like, you need to see this, you need to come in here and look at this. Um, I definitely got like Indiana Jones or, um, Jurassic park type vibes, you know, where they find the amber shard. Um, and then also there's a bit of like a uh, secret agent, um, you know, with the Interpol agents, they're like following these people and you're not yeah. entirely sure whether or not they actually are like villainous or not. Like I love the way that they portray them as, as like, you're really not sure of their motives until kind of the second or third act of the movie. Mm-hmm. They're always just kind of there watching things happen. Uh, And even then, you know, you have Nanbara, who is the the man in the black trench coat, who has every, every identifier of being like this badass villain. Um, And then you also have Tomura, which is the agent in the white suit, who you don't see near as much, but he's, you know, kind of this shadowy assassin character as well. And uh, so it's kind of a cool take on, it just, it builds on like another element of mystery that this movie has, um, kind of building on like a thread of mysteries.
0: It does. Yeah. No, it's good that you pointed out. I kept thinking it's like a spy versus spy kind of thing, you know, with the black Mm -hmm. and the white, um, clashing of sorts. Right. I think that, (laughs) I think that was really great. Um, in, in a movie where, you know, I mean, these show of films go by so quickly. Um, it does the story really well. Like the human side of the story is very engaging. Usually, it borrows some sort of subgenre, and usually, the spy espionage is what it does. But it balances that really well with the sci-fi um, invasion type of uh, subgenre as well.
1: Yeah, and then you lump on top of that kind of this uh, prophecy and mythological element where they're they they know that this uh, Shisa statue does something but they don't really know what or how it's important until later on in the movie and it's yeah, there's just all these threads that really like snappily move it along and kind of keep things happening and um you know there's a lot of Godzilla movies especially in my youth that I would literally fast forward through the human elements because (laughs) I was a kid right I wanted to watch big monsters kick each other's ass but you know going and going back to these as an adult I'm like You you know, you have you have an appreciation for those stories, especially when they're when they're well done like this. And uh, yeah, I was I was captivated by like the uh, kind of like figuring out what was going on with the with the riddle of the prophecy and all the other elements of uh, the kind of espionage and intrigue that were going along in that, too.
0: Yeah, and, and, and it, it, it does take itself very serious for a Showa film, but then until you get near the end when they bring out King Caesar and break out into song and dance to, to, to bring him up. And I'm like, okay, this movie's getting pretty uh, intense right now. I'm really getting into it. Okay, so now we're going to start singing um, like it's 1964's Mothra, you know? It's like, oh, yes. okay. <laughs>
1: Time for a music break. Let's all open our books to the, uh, the book of King Caesar and sing to him. Yeah, it was such a
0: up. such an out-of-place part, but you know what? In, in 1974 Godzilla movies, I'm like, yeah,
1: sure. I'll yeah, sure, it. yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> just, they all just have that, that energy about them, and so when it happens, instead of in maybe another movie being like, what the hell is this? It's just like, oh, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> You're so Godzilla sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, so for people who haven't seen this, they, they want to know about it. Godzilla, um, has to face mecha godzilla and mecha godzilla is basically kicking everyone's ass but being disguised as godzilla which i think is a really really great idea um i guess that's technically a spoiler but they do reveal it really early on and yeah. when they face each other and when that city is a like the uh, the port is like ablaze and it's pitch black and oh my god the scientists are just watching them stare each other down um and it's not, has been fully revealed yet who this copycat Godzilla is because it still has like the same kind of color. It just has a different roar and noise to me. That feels like something out of almost like, um, I mean, you didn't know it then, but like now you think it would fit in like the legendary pictures movies where it's just how dark and brooding and everything set ablaze is, you know?
1: Yeah. I, when that, uh, watching that, uh, for this and getting everything ready and, and that scene, I out loud, you know just like, damn, this looks good. Like that is nice. such a great sequence. And the, the destruction of that refinery or port, whatever they're on is just fantastic. It's just such a good set piece. And the way that they have the scale of the people watching it happen with the monsters, um, that is a perspective that I just love when they're able to achieve in Godzilla movies, uh, getting that kind of from the ground, look up at these massive things. It's just awe inspiring. And, you know, movies of this era, they don't do that as often. I I think a lot of times it's almost like from a human eye perspective or, you know, if you're looking at something that's hundreds of feet tall, it would almost be like you're watching it from like a helicopter or the top of a skyscraper. But Mm -hmm. getting that on the ground look up at something like this is just, uh, yeah, that that scene filled me with that kind of old awe that made originally made me love Godzilla movies. Yeah, it,
0: it, it, it like I think they do accomplish trying to make this a more serious tone movie, because it, it does feel like a, a like you know a lot's at stake with this movie, and and if you're watching it for the first time, you wouldn't know that there's a sequel that comes out. Um, but for, for the the sequel that is 1975, um, Terror of Mechagodzilla, Godzilla, Honda directs. The beginning of that movie has that exact scene of the showdown and stare down in the intro. Which only lets me know that Honda thought this scene was great from Fukuda because he introduced it in the intro.
1: Yeah, I I, I did love um, in Terror of Mechagodzilla how there is that kind of it's more or less a recap of, of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and Honda clearly grabs the shots that he loved the most for uh, f- from that movie and yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of representation of that scene uh, in in that introduction for terror of Mechagodzilla.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's just so weird. I mean, I guess this movie does have some nostalgia for, cause I know when Toho was making this movie, they were like, they want something nostalgic for the, um, the older audience, but they also want some stuff for the kids to also grasp. And, I think as a kid I would like you know King Caesar in like fighting Mecha Godzilla with Godzilla teaming up you know I think yeah. that's really cool but I feel like this is a movie for the adults you know this is one where you're like ah oh, this is kind of badass you know
1: <laughs> Yeah it, it it toes the line really well and it feels like there was a there was a, an objective to kind of honor you know the 20th anniversary which this movie falls exact right mm-hmm. on that for the first uh, Gojira. And uh, yeah, and I and I love that I love that Mecha Godzilla is this kind of like evolution, continuation, modernization of of Godzilla as a creature, you know, but like as a as an enemy, but also just kind of like you know this is the future, this is something that's science fiction, this is something that could carry us into like a new era of this character, and then you have King Caesar. Who you know by I, I guess the that's an Americanization of King Shisa, which uh, Shisa is like a lion, dog, gargoyle sort of icon that is seen as a traditionally as like a guardian uh, mm-hmm. or a ward, uh, especially in like Okinawa where the movie uh, takes place. Yes, and uh, yeah, and so it's this like you know historically uh, representative like you know like almost like a new I could I could see it where you know people could have latched on to King Caesar more and it could have come like another like hero for Japan the way that Godzilla did, but maybe it was a little too forced or maybe it wasn't successful enough that that happened because that's clearly like what they're going for. You know, it's like this is very much like an extremely iconic uh, Japanese design that's evocative of that. And, you know, we're going to bring that into this too.
0: Yeah, it, it it's kind of like a a bridging of like the the old gods with the new gods, kind of if you want to look at the kaiju like that. Because mm-hmm. his name they call they throughout the movie they call it King Caesar like the king, and the ruler of like these monsters, you know, and like it's such a legendary thing. And I, I you know it's a guy in a suit, but I think the suit looked really cool. It kind of looked like the like something from out of Power Rangers in a way,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> which I which I don't that say that.
0: Yeah, I don't say that is a bad thing. I think it's it's really cool and nostalgic to see that. And uh, like we said earlier, this movie feels like it's kind of going for all or nothing. And at points, it works out really well. Like when Mechagodzilla and Godzilla square off for the first time, I mean, the big G does not come out on top, you know? And he has like this weird, dark training session that I say dark because it's hard to see. But two, it's like he Godzilla's like training himself with like the weather to like build build like a uh, like a magnetic force for himself, and it's weird because you don't see right. that ever in a Godzilla movie up to that point, and where like he's like training almost and like getting adjusted to this foe. It, it feels like you know, it feels like. Toho almost wanted Mechagodzilla to take over after this, but just at the last bit, they kind of say, "Well, we still need Godzilla, still, you know."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can't, we can't have that, or give the audience <laughs> that that fear that that's what was going to happen. Uh, that you know, like, what if, uh, what if this is like the end of this saga? Like, there were, you know, in the twentieth in the twentieth <laughs> year of Godzilla's existence, they kill off the character and and it's done. But yeah, they that clearly, uh, you know, thank God that did not happen. But yeah. um. I do love to the point of, of him effectively like magnifying himself or becoming a man <laughs> being magnetized. Um, I, I do love that in this period of Godzilla films, um, they kind of just give him powers to suit yes. the situation. You know, like he does that tail slide <laughs> kick thing in Godzilla <laughs> versus Megalon. Yes. In Godzilla versus Hedora, he uses his atomic breath to fly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's so good. And so yeah, whenever he whenever he draws the the power poles to himself, I was like, oh shit, he's giving himself armor. And I was like, no, 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 he's using a magnet. This is this is great. Um and he's just like Godzilla Magneto, where he's like drawing it back to himself and there's some really good um, there's some really good um, scale model swinging on a rope. <laughs> <laughs> Animation <laughs> effects where it's like coming back and wiggling around and fall. I was like, this is this is so awesome.
0: Yes, it feels very Dragon Ball Z Goku Spirit Bomb vibes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah. like he's just training and and, and unlocking a new ability to, <clears throat> to defeat this foe that's easily stronger than them. And I'm kind of with it. You know, it's, oh, it's um, nice to yeah. see that Godzilla isn't all o- overpowering. You know, he has to like take some owls here and there.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, like bringing that into the modern day too, um, the, uh, well, and, and it wasn't of course the first time it's happened, it was a callback, but in, in, um, King of the Monsters, when he goes into like meltdown mode, mm-hmm. um, fuck and that scene was yes. so cool. Yes. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> just, that's the kind of thing that, that I love about these movies is when something like that happens and it like raises the hair on the back of your neck. Cause you're just like, this is so awesome. And, uh, you're like fully aware of how powerful Godzilla is, you know, just like this deific being walking. And it, yeah, that was the kind of thing that when I was a kid, I was just like, Godzilla is the best.
0: Yes. And you know what, that I don't, it doesn't matter what Godzilla movie you watch, but there's always a part in those movies where kind of Godzilla surprises you, you know, like there's yeah. like a, a part where it's fighting or, it, or it's being attacked and something strange happens to it like yeah like the overcharge um in King of the Monsters or especially in Shin Godzilla as well you know just like the oh, oozing mm-hmm. out of its uh of its just trying to recover you see that in Space Godzilla as well um with the yeah. Fire Godzilla introduction and and in this movie too he's just like he kind of like loses it because he's tired of that freaking cosmetic beam which i think is really cool for its time um, the 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 like the the cosmic beam that comes out of its eyes and really kind of kicks his ass. I I think. Oh yeah. I just love that part where God's just like, you know what? Screw, it. I'm done taking this beat down, and he just like starts doing the magnetic things, and people are like, wait, what's going on right now? He's created some sort of ma- and they 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 narrate it like it's something crazy, like he's like be- made his own force field. Yeah. And it's just yeah, Godzilla always finds a way to prevail, even if you're not like you know it's gonna happen, but you don't know how. Right And yeah, like you said, as a kid, that's just the one thing I always looked forward to.
1: Yeah. No, and in this, in this period, Godzilla even looks more friendly. Like, you know, they, they give him <laughs> yeah. this almost kind of cartoony facial, um, features, you know, like bigger, bigger eyes and his mouth is almost a grin, you know, like his teeth aren't so obvious. They're kind of like pushed and tucked back and you only really see him when he like roars. But, um, <laughs> even little things like him, just like getting up off the ground and like dusting his shoulders off real quick. You know, it's just, it's these weird little, um, human expressions that he does that, um, they're just, they're just so funny and charming. and, And there's just this wonderful, like campy quality to something like that. And, uh, and in the magnetization th- or the yeah when he when he's like drawing mecha godzilla back to himself and he's like using his hands and it's like get your ass back here <laughs> it's, uh, it's yeah it's just great it's it's just so fun to watch
0: yeah it, so yeah mecha godzilla comes at the end of the showa era and then it shows up midway through the Hisei series and then early on in the millennium series uh mecha godzilla's been in every single era of godzilla yeah um so i mean it would almost why break that tradition and not include him in now these legendary pictures.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm so happy that they're, they're reaching back into this history to kind of keep these things culturally relevant. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really exciting. Like, and I, I see it a lot on Twitter, especially in the last few years with the legendary movies, but so many people I know either discovering Godzilla for the first time or rediscovering it and you know talking about how much these movies have been important to them in their life. Uh, and it's like, like you said, like a big, big part of the reason that that you and I have been friends on Twitter is like, I'll see that. I'm just like, yes, dude, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, you <laughs> know, I'll just like drop what I'm doing to go watch a movie. Like it's, you know, it, it's great. And, and it's, uh, it's cool to see like Mecha Godzilla coming forward and it makes me excited for maybe, if they continue with this, seeing something like, you know, maybe one day seeing like a Hidora or a Biolante or another creature like that, that's been popular in Godzilla's past coming into the current day.
0: Yeah. And like you said, Adam Weigar, I, I feel like this movie is safe in his hands, you know, like he, he does know what he's working on. Like he, like from his history, you know, the say what you want about the Blair witch movie and like the death note movie, but you know, if you watch the original uh, Blair Witch and then you you know you, you watch the anime, he really does pay a lot of respects to those original works and brings them to his versions, which I really enjoy.
1: Yeah, me too. I with my I have my druthers with um, main, to be honest with King of the Monsters. There's there's aspects of it that I could I could get into and say that I felt like were a little disrespectful of the history of some of that, but that's kind of neither here nor there right now. Um, because what, what uh, crap, why is his name just completely leaving my brain?
0: Ken Watanabe?
1: No, Mike Dougherty. Sorry. Oh, the Mike director.
0: Okay. <laughs> I was like, what's his, <laughs> cause I was going to start going hammering on that. Kind of part of King of the Monsters that I didn't really enjoy, but yeah, that's I'm sorry. that's Go the ahead. one.
1: No, that the, yeah, and that's that's the one specifically I want to talk about as the or or would talk about. But <laughs> anyway, Dowerty clearly had a massive amount of respect for the the creatures. Like he he treated them with a reverence that I that was so apparent. You know, like he treated them like gods. Like the way they were shot, the way that their powers were manifested and represented. Like they feel like. He, he feels the awe for them the same way he wants the audience to feel it. Um, and I felt the same way about Edwards. You know, a lot of people were kind of down on Godzilla 2014. I'm one of those people that loves it. Uh, and, I mean, and again, it has its problems. It is a little slowly paced. But, like, when the monsters are there, they are awe-inspiring and incredible to look at. Uh, and give me, you know, that uh, that uh, airport scene where you first really get a good look at Godzilla and he mm-hmm. stomps up that raised the hair on my arms and neck. I was like, holy shit, this is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's gone, but you know, he's gone for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. For like a uh, 45 minutes of that movie. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I have Mike Rice with 2014, but I always say though, it has a strong 30 to 45 minutes in the opening. Cause that narrative is so good. Oh with yeah. Brian Cranston. And, and yeah. just, yeah, it just, the narrative there is so strong the character building is good and kind of bringing this, uh, this mystery of, you know, the, uh, of Godzilla coming to life. It, it just, it, it, it really works well. Um, yeah. and that's one of my favorite parts, but then for some reason, I don't know why, uh, Garrett Edwards turns it into kind of like, uh. It feels like, uh, I don't know, like battle Los Angeles type of military grade movie. And I'm like, <laughs> what happened to that early stuff with the drama, you know?
1: Right. Well, and, and, you know, and, and again, <laughs> apologies. We're, we're shifting wildly from movie to movie we're discussing here, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he, he does, he gets rid of Brian Cranston, which I always felt like was a major misstep, um. I, I wish that I, I mean I I know maybe I guess script wise he just kind of ran out of things for him to do or be a part of because I think he really wanted it to become that uh, you know hell drop into the city as the monsters fight and mm. at one point or another you know you just kind of run out of things for Bryan Cranston to do I guess in that movie but I don't know that was that that was a that was a disappointing decision I, I agree on that but but yeah like um, overall just as far as the perspective and the the respect that it pays to the creatures is it was very, uh, very cool to see.
0: Yes, that is a good point though. The there there is a lot of Godzilla love when I watch these movies, which I absolutely enjoy. And I, I you know being critical twenty fourteen is too easy um, to do. You know it's more respectable when you can find things to enjoy about it. Because when you think about the history of Godzilla, I mean. <laughs> the human element of Godzilla movies through any of the eras is always, um, a topic for discussion. You know, it's not an (laughs) easy thing to do sometimes. And, uh, yeah. So you gotta, you you know, when you watch these Godzilla movies, you gotta be a little bit more, um, understanding of that, but also like accepting of it because, you know, there are some really good parts to these human stories. Um, and that's why I think 74 is easily one you need to watch before the new one comes out because it has a good story. It, It has some things that we might be seeing in the new one. And, uh, it has a lot of, like I said, pop culture references, or, or it, it, it turns into pop culture references after this movie. Um, shout out Steven Spielberg for putting uh, Mecha Godzilla in Ready Player One. That's a scene in that movie. We're, talking, we're jumping from so many movies, but. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but, like, I mean, that just shows you the impact of Mecha Godzilla and, like, why you kind of need to watch its roots, because you can watch a, different iterations of it. Um, but I feel like 74 is, like, the right place to start, obviously.
1: Yes. Yeah, I agree. And, and right. Like, like you were doing, tying us back into, <laughs> into the movie we're trying really actually supposed to be talking to talk. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it is a, uh, it is a really good place to start. Um, kind of if you're, if you're wanting to get excited about the new one or just otherwise, like it's just a really good example of a, uh, a Godzilla movie that kind of toes the line between taking itself seriously and also being a lot of fun. Um, because you know there's there's aspects of it like i said like the score that never are very serious at all like uh even mecha godzilla's theme is this really upbeat like you know it's like very jazzy like oh (laughs) let's fight um and but but yeah and then you have a really really well executed uh human element of the story too and like a a story that that kind of pushes itself along and gains a good bit of momentum and and kind of threads along all these mysteries and as it answers its own questions, it kind of creates more mystery or excitement, you know? And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a really, really solid movie kind of start to finish. See, this is
0: why I like having guests, um, for this because I get to feel safe knowing that there's people like minded people like me, when I think about these movies, and want to talk about
1: them. <laughs> <And> that's <laughs> oh, what you've totally. done, Philip,
0: yeah. dude. I really appreciate your insight. Um, on this movie and just being, you know, you know, from one Godzilla nerd to another and having Michael Scott and having Lindsay Wilkins as well. Like, uh, I really, really appreciate your love and, and, and just like your knowledge of the Godzilla stuff. Cause like, I couldn't do this on my own and like having people like you on really makes it more fun and easy for me. And, uh, Phillip, I really want to thank you for that, man.
1: Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris, for, for having me on. And uh, like I said at the beginning of this, I, it doesn't take much to kind of get me on a roll talking about Godzilla. It's sort of like, oh, did you say Godzilla? Let's go. Okay, cool. Uh, so no, it's, it is a, uh, it has been a joy of my life for most of my life. And um, it's just, it's so exciting to share that enthusiasm with another person and kind of take a, take other perspectives and look at a, a film kind of from you know, from those different angles that people bring to it. Um, and it's, yeah, this, I've, I've very much enjoyed this. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no problem, Philip. And uh, I hope I can get you really back on here again. I hope I didn't scare you away bouncing from so many different movies for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have kept a, a ticker because I, I, am surprised how many we bounced from, but I, I love doing that.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's, it's all good. And, and, you know, like we said earlier, like the series has spanned so many decades. It's, it's hard to kind of stay in one in one place because those themes and those creatures and those, those elements of it that you love, they, they just span that whole stretch of time. So,
0: yes, uh, Philip, thank you so much, man, for hopping back on. Um, well, hopping on for the first time, um, on here. I, I really would love to have you back on again. Um, if you're cool with that and, uh, just in case if, uh, you know, no one, um, has check out philip on the podcast the dead ringers it's it's really great if you're a horror fan um that's just like an essential podcast to listen to. Um, they just do double features it's just so fun and it, it it's good conversation um, but philip what are where are other ways we could find you man?
1: thank you so much so yeah i'm i'm on twitter primarily at philip Yunt, and uh <laughs> i uh it's at p h i l i p y o u n t. Um, I used to, I used to spell it every time that we would do that on the end of dead ringers, but I've since been like, go listen to the old episodes, but, uh, <laughs> new audience. So uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm there and I'm also on Instagram under the same moniker. And, um, if you, if you give a shit about <laughs> miniature painting in any way, uh, I, I, share my finished pieces as I'm working on them at, uh, Philippe Ant miniatures.
0: Yes. And those will be links down below, um, for this episode, uh, yeah, you and Mike Scott are, like, all about that stuff, and I'm so jealous because it's so cool. Like, he was repainting Godzilla figures, and you're doing that with, like, your your Soulsborne figures, and it's just so cool. Um, oh, thank you.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a hobby that I picked up about three years ago now, and um, I've never been much of a painter, and when I got it, it was kind of just uh, this eye-opening, like one of those kind of things where you actually forsake other hobbies to make time for this new thing in your <laughs> life and it's like a daily meditation ritual at this point i just i love it i zen out and just brush my hand and go it's it's wonderful thank you
0: uh that's so cool dude uh, but thank you so much, Philip, for being on here. And, and thank you all for listening to Inside the Sequel. Um, and you should all check out Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla from 1974. Again, it is available on HBO Max now to stream. It's also on the Criterion channel to stream. And you can, if you haven't bought the Criterion Spy Number no. 1000 Godzilla Showa Era box set, I highly recommend you do. It's worth all the money. Uh, And yeah, make sure to check this movie out before the new King Kong vs. Godzilla. Um, Don't forget to like, um, share this episode with everyone. Drop a review or a comment if you uh, enjoyed it or if you have some thoughts. I I always love to hear that. Um, Don't forget to email the show at sequelpod.com or excuse me, at sequelpod at gmail.com and uh, don't forget to check out our website inside the sequel.com where you can find all our other episodes and you can find links to our YouTube channel of her reviews and you can comment down below. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate that all. Uh, thank you all for listening. And remember, if you aren't watching Mechagodzilla uh, for the new movie, do you really care about cinema? Anyway, we'll see you next time.